Good afternoon and welcome to Healing the Whole Person. My name is Susie McGinn and I have the pleasure of being your hostess today. Um, and we have a very familiar uh, guest uh, that's going to lead our discussion today. Um, and you know, when I think of healing, I just want to say first that I think of it as a sp spiritual healing, psychological healing, and or physical healing. And so this is a very broad, healing is a very broad topic, and there are a lot of ways that we can approach it. Today, um, our guest, Father Michael Sparrow, uh, has uh, decided that parables would be a beautiful way for us to understand God's healing. And so we're going to delve into those parables today, which are really Jesus's way of storytelling. And interestingly enough, Father Sparrow is a preeminent storyteller. And those of you who have listened uh, to him and had the pleasure of being on his retreats know that so well. But Father is um, a retreat and spiritual director at St. Mary of the Lake, uh, I mean, excuse me, at Bellarmine Jesuit Retreat House in Barrington. He holds a Doctor of Ministry from St. Mary of the Lake in Mundelein, Illinois and an MFA from Yale School of Drama. He is the founder of Karis, a Jesuit young adult ministry, and trained spiritual directors at Loyola University Chicago. A prolific writer and speaker, Father Michael has published extensively on prayer, discernment, and the sacraments, and is a featured speaker monthly on WSFI, 88.5 FM, healing the whole person. So here we are today. Welcome, Father, again. And uh, we you, look forward to our discussion today on Jesus' parables, some of them. We're just going to touch on a few. So, Father, would you just kind of introduce us uh, in general to this topic, and, uh, and we'll go from there. That's right. So there are... Uh, many, many different parables that are recorded in the scriptures. And as you mentioned in the introduction, Susie, one of Jesus's favorite ways of preaching was to tell stories. And the thing that's so wonderful about a parable, I use this, my favorite analogy, a parable is like looking out a window and you see a scene and uh, it, it may be a disturbing scene or it may be a calm scene, but you relax because you say, well, that's not me. That's, I'm looking at, I, I'm learning about something else. And then what happens is the window becomes a mirror and we see ourselves reflected back. Parables are a net that Jesus casts out to catch souls in uh, because they're not immediately apparent, uh, or the the moral has to be uh, applied to our lives. In contrast to Jesus saying, this is what you need to do, you need to do this, a parable is something that you struggle with and you have to figure it out for yourself. And you have to think, okay, who am I in this story? Today, I, th I thought we could start with uh, the parables in Mark chapter four some of the most famous of Jesus's parables. Uh, and this, uh, just yesterday, 
we heard this parable. Jesus is, uh, hey, let me set the scene. Jesus has been, prior to this, primarily teaching in the synagogues. That's where a respectable preacher preaches, in the synagogue. But here Jesus goes out into the countryside, and he's standing by the Sea of Galilee, and the, the hillside is sloping up, and lots and lots of people are gathered together. In fact, Mark says so many people that they're pressing him into the sea. So Jesus gets a little boat, and he's standing in the, in the boat at the water's edge, and then the people are all lined up along the sides, and the hillside is sloping, sloping up, so it, it creates a natural amphitheater. And he begins to teach them in these stories. Now, this is in contrast to, say, where he's attacking the Pharisees and calling them, you, you whitened sepulchers, you hypocrites. There's nothing subtle about that. Jesus is saying exactly. Whitewashed what, tombs. <laughs> whitewashed they, tombs. Yes. <laughs> That's right. All of those. He doesn't mince his words. He's no. speaking very directly. But here he's talking to the crowds, and he's talking about familiar things, things that they know. This is an agricultural, agricultural culture, uh, so they would all be familiar with sowing seeds. Uh, they, they didn't go simply to the supermarket to purchase their, their, their food. Uh, and so Jesus starts by telling them something familiar. Listen, imagine a sower going out to sow. Now it happened as he sowed. Some of the seed fell on the edge of the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some seed fell on rocky ground where it found little soil and sprang up straight away because there was no depth of earth. And when the sun came, it was scorched, and not having any roots, it withered away. Some seed fell into thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it produced no crop. And some seeds fell into rich soil, and growing tall and strong, produced crop and yielded thirty, sixty, even a hundredfold. And he said, listen, anyone who has ears to hear. Now that's a familiar story. We've heard it many times, but like any good story, we don't get tired of hearing it because it has multiple application to our lives. The most common interpretation is the one that Jesus gives to the disciples. Uh, he doesn't give it to the crowds. They press him and they said, oh, what's that story about? And then Jesus comes and in the following verses, he explains it. But it's meant to indicate uh, there are really four different kinds of soil there where the seed falls and four different responses to the word of God. Uh, in the common interpretation here, Jesus is the, Jesus is the sower and he's sowing magnanimously. Uh, well, with abandon, it, he with, loves with, us. With, with yeah. abandon, <laughs> with, with holy abandon. Yes. yes yeah. yeah. In, in commenting on this parable, Bishop Barron was saying, before we look at the different kinds of soil, let's just look at the sower himself. And I, I think this is really a wonderful comment that if you imagine the people in that society and you got a sower who's throwing seed, 
with reckless abandon and it's going on the path and it's going on the rocks and it's going among the, th- the, the thorns, the people would smile and say, what kind of a crazy farmer is that? Seed is valuable. You don't waste that seed. You don't throw it on a path where you, don't, where you know it's not going to grow up. But the whole point is, this is God's mercy, which is given in reckless abandon. Multiple, multiple, multiple opportunities for us to grow grow in grace. You know, there's a a machine that landscapers have to to spread seed. It's called a broadcaster, (laughs) which is kind of interesting because that's exactly what he was doing, broadcasting his message. And that's what we're doing here today. Exactly. So the word goes out, you know, to many different households, and there are some that are just going to click off the radio and some that will switch the channel and there will there will be some that will turn up the volume they'll turn up the volume (laughs) (laughs) so that so jesus is the sower jesus is the sower and the seed and the seed is is this word of god that he is calling us to embrace and of course the first kind of soil uh is the soil that falls on the pathway and here's what jesus has to say when the disciples Uh, pressed him on that he said those on the path where the word is sown are people who know who no sooner heard it than Satan comes and carries it it away so it doesn't even have an opportunity to sprout because right away the devil is there and snatching it away and these are people in our society, but it's also, I think, times in our lives where we just, we, we get so busy, we get discouraged, we get worried, we get caught up in, in patterns of sin, and the Lord calls us to conversion, and <laughs> Satan is, is, is right in there, rather than are having the opportunity to meditate on wow that was a that was a radio program that really hurt h- helped me that was a sermon that really helped me that was a a book that i read or a reflection on the daily reading that that really helped me but before it even has a chance to sprout <laughs> the uh, satan gets in there and steals it away M- maybe the lord is calling me to conversion maybe i shouldn't be doing what i'm doing you know maybe i should listen maybe i should and listen and you know that's i think he says that three times in this gospel is to listen uh, and uh, so and that's his clo- that's his he opens with that and he closes with that right. and he puts it in the middle as well exactly exactly yeah. yeah very important so the seed is his word yes right it's it's his message it's the gospel it's his proclaiming of the of the word, yes, and and Jesus is Jesus, what does it Jesus, fall? Jesus, Jesus is a sower, and it falls on four different kinds of soil. And and the first one is the pathway that we talked about, and the second one is rocky ground. Okay, and in Israel, there's a there's a layer of limestone <laughs> uh, rock just beneath the surface, and the image that Jesus uses there is if the seed is sown there. It can have a chance to sprout, but it's not going to be able to go down and develop any roots. And as a result of that, when the sun comes out, and the sun can be brutally hot in the summer, 
with temperatures well over 100 degrees in in Israel, it's not going to it's not going to be able to get any nourishment and it's going to it's going to wither. Uh, Jesus says uh, about that, those who receive the seed on patches of rock are people who, when they first heard it, welcome it with joy, but they have no root, they do not last. Should some trial come or some persecution on account of the word, they fall away at once. It's very difficult, isn't it? to hold on to our faith in the midst of persecution, in the midst of difficulties and hardships. Uh, One preacher has said that 5% of the effort is in this initial conversion experience. Uh, We hear a tremendous sermon, we go to a church service, however we encounter the word and we say yes lord i i want to follow you that's maybe five percent of the journey 95 percent of the journey is following through on what we've heard on what we know to be true and we can anticipate that there's going to be hardships there's going to be difficulties jesus said if they persecute me they're going to persecute you pick up your cross and follow me someone said that uh, conversion is like two percent inspiration and 98 percent perspiration (laughs) it's hard it's hard work it's hard work yes it is yes we have to be faithful to that and right uh and if uh to recognize that I think we can talk about kinds of people, but we, all of these parables are meant to be our encounters with the Word as well. Where is the time in my life where the Word has not been, where it's not had an opportunity to be able to sink deep roots, where I've resisted that, where I've shied, shied away and I just said, Lord, it, it's too hard. Let me, let me just sleep in on Sunday mornings. Why do I have to go to church? Uh, why do I have to pray daily? Can't, can't I just pray once in a while? Or when I feel inspired, when I feel inspired, that's when I'm going to pray. If we only pray when we're inspired, <laughs> we're not going to do much praying. No. So these are would be the shallow roots. The, sh- there's, there's, the shallow roots. Yes. And then the third kind, Jesus said, is the seed falls among thorns, and the thorns grow up and choke it. Here's what he he says in verse 18. There are others who receive the word in thorns. They've heard the word, but the worries of this world, the lure of riches and the other passions come in and choke the word, and so it produces nothing. So these have roots, but they give in to worry and the lure of riches and other passions, three dangers to the spiritual life. Jesus said, fear is useless. What is needed is trust. All of us worry. But if that's where our minds are going and we're focused on on, on the worry, that's going to take us over. Uh, um, every pope that has come to the United States, beginning with Pope John Paul and then Pope Benedict and, and Pope Francis, when Mother Teresa came, they all warned us about the dangers of materialism. Mm-hmm. 
In fact, Mother Teresa, in a famous statement, said the poverty in the United States is in many ways worse than it is in India because it's a spiritual poverty. Right. And we live in this consumer society, and the dominant message is you have to own this. And if you own this, then you'll be happy. That's the lure of riches that right here Jesus is is warning us about. I am what I wear, the clothes that I wear. I am the car that I drive. I am the zip code that, that I live in. Those are powerful forces that infect us all. Jesus uses in this image here in, in chapter 4 of Mark's gospel, he said, they're like thorns that choke us so that the seed doesn't produce any fruit right so what you're saying then is the soil all the examples of soil are our hearts the what that the kind of hearts that we have and that we bring to the message of the gospel so are we listening listening in a very shallow hard crusty way or just in a slightly open way with that doesn't put down roots or are we letting it grow up and letting the world and other gods interfere with god's message for our heart yes and heart in the biblical sense yes which which is the center of our person uh not just heart in the center of emotion, but heart in the sense of this this whole person. So uh, what what we think about, what we dream about, what we imagine, what we remember, that that's important. So if we're just thinking about where am, where am I going to get my next fix? Where am I ne- going to get my next high? Where am I going to get when am I going to get my my uh, increase in in pay or you know dreaming dreaming about some idealized future that's dangerous and if we're nurturing the wounds and the hurts of the past i was talking with somebody uh, that was slighted a year and a half ago and the uh, this guy was very unhappy and I was talking with him and he said well you know I was in a group and they embarrassed me and I said when was that they said uh, and he said a year and a half ago I said a year and a half ago and you're, you're still nursing that that wound come on brother that that's time to move on to to, to let that let that go but these are the worries and the cares and the fears and and the slights and they choke they choke they choke the word of god and and as a result we don't produce any spiritual fruit right right well i think this is very exciting <laughs> we could spend hours on this uh, uh particular parable you know what's kind of interesting uh, father about the the parables is that um they've lasted 2,000 years, the same stories. We're still, here we are today. And I have to say who we are today. I forgot to mention all the beautiful people sitting around me beside Father Sparrow. We have Ann Oakley and Rosemary Simon and Tom McGeegan. And so I'm, and of course we have Angela and David at the controls. Our, those are our bosses. But um, fortunately, anyway, we had, we have a wonderful group here today. But I just wanted to share that these stories, 2,000 years old, and here we are just having this lively discussion today on these ageless um, parables. And 
And the interesting thing is that here we are, maybe you, Father, waxing eloquent on these, but uh, Jesus used so few words, and he was so brief. And like you said before, he used something that they were familiar with. So they, he caught their attention. And hopefully that's, that's what we can do here today. But all this time, while he was doing this, what was he proclaiming? The truth. Because he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so we're uh, going to go on with, uh, in the second part of our program today with a couple more parables that we, we picked out to share with you. Um, and we also have some prayer requests that we will mention um, at the beginning of the next segment. So we thank you for listening, and we look forward to uh, you staying with us for the next few minutes. Again, I'm Susie McGinn, and this is Healing the whole person. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. A prayer for deliverance with Father John Regis, the rector of the National Shrine of St. Maximilian Kolbe at Marytown. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, we just ask for the grace of the Holy Spirit to come down upon us, the intercession of Our Lady and of all the saints and angels, and we come against any influence of the occult or the new age that might have infiltrated any of our listeners, their children, their grandchildren, their nieces, nephews, brothers, and sisters, and families, and we bind Satan and all of his minions in any way that have bound any of these individuals or their families in this occult practices, and we invoke Mother Mary, also in all the saints, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I just break all bounds and all influences of the new age upon any one of our listeners, and may they be broken in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May He send upon them the grace of the Holy Spirit to free them, and may our Mother Mary place her motherly mantle to protect them and crush the head of the evil one, as she was promised to do so in Genesis after the fall. Amen. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states.
Welcome back to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. My name is Susie McGinn, and I'm surrounded by these beautiful people here today. And um, our guest uh, expert and preeminent storyteller is Father Michael Sparrow. Our subject today uh, is the healing power of parables and how Jesus used them. Uh, but before we go on, we'd like to um, uh, offer up the prayer requests that you good people have sent in and some that we have of our own. So here are the uh, our intentions for today. The first is for Brianna, who is waiting for a transplant and is very ill. For Kevin, who has lymphoma. For Dwight, who suffers from Parkinson's. For Steve, he has a shoulder replacement and rotator cuff surgery. Deanna and Denise, both experiencing body pain and insomnia. For our country, our government, Father Dillon, a Jesuit uh, priest who has had a severe fall and uh, is greatly loved for his, uh, his retreats. We pray for his quick healing. For a friend, Catherine, who has pancreatic cancer. For David and those suffering from mental illness. And for a special intention. Father? Gracious and loving God. We lift up these loved ones and the intentions of all of our listeners, surrendering them to your loving care. We pray for healing of their bodies, their minds, their hearts, and especially of their souls. Lord Jesus, when you walked the earth 2,000 years ago, as a sign of your compassion and your mercy and your divine power, you healed the sick. You laid hands on them, you spoke a healing word, and they were healed. We believe that that same divine power is available as we pray in your holy name, for you have given it to your disciples. And so in loving trust, we commend these sick ones to you, Lord. We pray that your holy and perfect will be done that you would provide the healing that they need in the way that you want them and our Heavenly Father wants them to be healed, to experience your grace at work in their lives, your grace that can do so much more than we ask or imagine. Mm. For as much as we love them, you love them more. As much as we want only what is best for them, you know what is best. And so we surrender them to you, Lord grace them, love them, protect them, deliver them from evil, and bring them closer to your sacred heart of mercy, that they may experience the peace and the healing that is beyond all comprehension. Bless them in the name of the Father, love them in the name of the Son, heal them in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. You know, as um, I was preparing today for this topic of parables and the healing power of parables. Uh, something I read was that Jesus' artistry led him to tell these beautiful stories. 
as we mentioned before, in a very brief way, but in a very brief way, he spoke volumes. In just a few verses, when we read them, there's so much depth, so much. And, you know, I find it true in much of Scripture, too, that especially in Paul, I find he, he can be say, say so much in such so few words. And uh, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about Scripture because you then you can read it, and it's inexhaustible. Every time, every day, the same verse we could read it every day for years and get deeper and new meaning from it. So I think that's true of these parables especially, too. Which, And I'm so happy Jesus used these <laughs> methods for us because we need the simplicity, right? I do, anyway. So the, the next um, a parable that uh, Father chose was the one about the mustard seed. We're into seeds today. And um, it it uh, so the the other uh, uh, one we talked about sowing the seeds today now we're going to d- discuss the mustard seed from Mark chapter four and uh, this is uh, another powerful teaching on God's word and the incredible potential inside of a seed and what has to happen to it in order for it to grow and multiply so Father would you like to begin. Sure. So uh, it's in uh, Mark's gospel. It's uh, also in other places in the synoptics. Uh, Here we are in Mark chapter 4, verse 30. Jesus said, what can we say the kingdom of God is like? What parable can we find for it? It is like a mustard seed, which at the time of its sowing is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet once it is sown, it grows into the biggest shrub of them all and puts out big branches so that the birds of the air can shelter in its shade. That's one of my favorite parables. Uh, I I have been over to the Holy Land and led pilgrimages there several times. And in Bethany, right outside Lazarus's tomb, uh, for several years there was a blind salesman who sold mustard seeds. I was just over in the Holy Land last spring, and he had since died. Uh, so I was saddened to, to hear that, uh, because he was a, is a very kind guy. But he would sell 10,000 mustard seeds for a dollar. And so uh, I would usually splurge when I was over there, and I would buy 100,000 mu- mustard seeds and then give them away on retreats. Now, American mustard seeds are like little pods they're maybe like the size of a chickpea, uh, but the actual mustard seed are in, inside the pods, and if you break open that pod, then you see that tiny, tiny seed that is smaller than a sesame seed. Uh, matter of fact, on retreats, I'll often give out these mustard, mustard seeds and put them in people's hands, and if they don't have very good eyesight, they'll stand there saying, well, give me some seeds. And I said, I just put 10 in your hands. And they said, where are they? And I said, they're in the center of your palm. And then they have to put their hand up really close to their eyes to be able to see them because they are so tiny. They're microscopic, are they? Yeah, almost. uh, uh, Not quite microscopic. Not quite, not quite, close. But but very, very tiny, very very tiny. Okay. Um, 
And yet that's the image that, that God, that Jesus uses for what the movement of God's grace is like. Sometimes we think it has to be the big actions. It's got to be a dramatic con- con- conversion. And what Jesus says is, no, so often the conversion starts in the small things. It's taking five minutes of quiet a day. Matthew Kelly tells a story of his conversion where he was in, I think, high school at the time, and he wasn't particularly devout, and he had a wise mentor that said, why don't you just spend 10 minutes, just go and sit in church for 10 minutes. And he said, well, what good is that going to do? And the guy said, well, just just go there, just do it. it and pretty, pretty soon the 10 minutes became 20 minutes, became 30 minutes, and he became writing and journaling his thoughts. That was the beginnings of his conversion. I think that's what Jesus is, is getting at. Sometimes it's a word of kindness. That's right. S- sometimes it, it's the briefest of prayer. Sometimes it's just saying grace at, at, a, at a meal. Uh, all of those small actions that can make a huge difference if we don't choke them off, if, if we allow them to grow. Right. For me, it was the love of a group of women that invited me to their Bible study. And I said, I've been loved in my life, but never like this before. Yes. And people who didn't have to love me, yeah. like my family and my, some of my friends, for instance. But this, these were people, I, I don't, most of them I didn't even know their last names, but they... I just sensed a love and a care that really attracted me. So that was the seed that yeah. started in my conversion. I, yeah. I'd wonder with some of our our guests here in the audience, uh, Tom or Rosemary, w- can you point to a, a, a small moment in your life that you look back on and you said, hmm, that really made a difference in, in my life? I remember when I was a, a freshman at Loyola Academy in Met, and I had a teacher who uh, invited us to become men of the Sacred Heart. And he said, this is a manly, manly devotion. And he said, we're gonna meet in room 222, and that's for you and you and you. And part of it was his humor, and part of it was here I am a freshman, and yeah, I wanna be a man. I, I wanna be a man of the Sacred Heart. and. I've had a I've had a devotion, strong devotion to the heart of Jesus ever ever since. Just just from that simple invitation. It's beautiful. Uh, how about I for think, you? Uh, in my grade school education, um, we had the experience of retreats where we'd have a speaker come in and it was just somebody new to us and they would be uh, res- resurrection priests or different or ones. It was just prob- probably Jesuits too, huh? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, probably definitely. Jesuits. For, I'm, I, I'm trying to think about my elementary, but I, I, there were all. I mean, all through years ago, we used to have speakers like that, and I don't hear too much about that happening these days, but. It, it was just um, a break from our regular routine in school, and we could have time to sit and think about our faith and listen to what this new man or woman would have to say. 
If I could just add on that, you know, so I'm at the Bellarmine Retreat House, and virtually every weekend we have a high school group that's that's coming in doing retreats. They do these what they call kairos retreats. Yeah. Kairos is a yeah. Greek, Greek word for time, and then it, it's amazing. And the high schools, and we hear this over and over again. The kids are when they're graduating, they're asked to look back on their four years. What was among the most significant experiences of your four years? And they'll inevitably point to that Kairos retreat. And it's only three or four days long, and there they are in the school for four years, and they reflect back on the experience and say, those three or four days made a tremendous difference in in my life because they they opened up the Gospels. They They began to help me believe in Jesus. And they also had to reveal themselves to one another so that they got more familiar with who they were in class with. It's an experience of community. Yes, yes. Right. You know, one of the things I used to pray about uh, when my children were growing up, they're now grown, but I still pray for them, of course, but for other reasons. But mostly I would pray for outside witnesses because they tend to, you know, you they hear their father and me saying the same things over and over and they kind of tend to turn you off. But what I wanted was somebody to affirm what my husband and I were uh, teaching them. And that was what a Kairos retreat mm-hmm. would do. Or like you were an talking about, person. Rosemary. Yeah, an outside person. They tend to listen to someone else. And, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's what mom always says. You know? <laughs> and it, I think it really, mm-hmm. it does mm-hmm. it, it make a difference. How about you, Tom? Well, just uh, want to back into the Kairos uh, um, uh, event that the first time I had ever heard of the program was from uh, a young Jewish man. And uh, he had expressed that he had attended one of these. So I assume it's non-denominational, right? It's uh, based on school that you're at. But but he thought it was an overwhelming experience. No. Whoop. Yeah, just pull it closer. Okay, he he had an overwhelming experience at that weekend, you know, and I reflected back at that point. I had gone to a Catholic high school, and we went on one retreat in four years. You know, it was a totally different uh, event. But uh, during my time at that, that high school, again, a different environment back then, but I had several priests that were kind of kind of looked out for me i thought and i spent a lot of time with them which wouldn't be considered today probably the the best environment but it certainly was a safe and warm environment with them and you know i remember father tadla who who's since gone many years now but you know he uh i was on the garden club and he ran the garden club and i just saw that as just such a an overwhelming experience and kind of put the idea of you know i mean everything in the bible usually refers to that rural setting having been a city kid you know we don't have a lot of experience with casting seeds or or doing the planting so this gardening event was a you know really kind of a a spiritual awakening for for me because mm-hmm. it really brought right. me closer right. to so many of the passages in the Bible and, you know, looking at seeds and, and doing that type of work. And well, that really blends with your message and our, the message of our Lord in this uh, parable for sure. Uh, I, th- I think one yeah. of the, one of the uh, reasons why Jesus used this image 
of the seed so often. So he used it in the parable of the sower. He uses it in the mustard seeds. He uses it in the parable of the wheat and the weeds. He uses it in the image of the grain of wheat needs to fall to the ground and die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the yeast, too. Uh, it's, a, it's a plant, isn't it? Or No, it's a... It's a um, microorganism. It's a, yeah, microorganism. Yeah. But it's, it's but a it's living a, thing. But yeah. it's a tiny thing that grows. Yes. And right. I, I think that's what Jesus is getting at, is that it starts, it starts out small, but it needs to be tended. It, it needs to be nurtured. And if we do that, then it continues to grow. Well, the branches also, you know, the uh, yes. branches that were producing fruit. And, and there were many branches uh, that were produced in the in the bush from the mustard seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, as part of a sabbatical, I uh, spent time in a Benedictine monastery, and the abbot there was a very wise old father, and he required of all of the monks in the monastery that they have their own little plot of garden. Mm -hmm. And he didn't care what they grew, but they had to grow something. Because there's something about that daily discipline of you gotta water the plants, you gotta fertilize them, you gotta weed them, you you, you gotta- Prune them. All of that is just an essential part of tending your garden. Oh, that's beautiful. And, And that's the analogy of the spiritual life. We have to attend to our spiritual life. We have to recognize, oop, there are some weeds here. <laughs> I got to get rid of right, those. Right. And I'm kind of I'm kind of dry here. Uh, I need a little bit of spiritual fertilizer in my life. You know, the, uh, Jesus uses that image over and over again to say, "This is what we need to do to nourish God's life within us." Absolutely. I think there's a lot of. Um, uh, I was reading a book about Dorothy Day, and I forget the name of the gentleman that she was that collaborated with her in do, um, Peter the Marin. daily work. Peter, P- Peter Marin. Yes. Were the co-founders of the Catholic Worker And they, he definitely, he was a Frenchman who believed in getting back to the land and that their <coughs> community should go rural, basically, and um, do self-sustaining things, plantings and you know, having vegetable gardens, and because there's so much to be learned from the soil and the and plants and vegetables and things that uh, most people don't get involved with these days. Right, Father. Could we talk a little bit about the the symbolism and the imagery that is in this gospel? Uh, regarding the church and the kingdom of God, or uh, did you have another path you wanted to follow? Um, you mean staying with the mustard seed parable? Yes, yeah. Uh, it, it, I was gonna suggest that uh, we also look at the parable of the wheat and the weeds, okay. which I know was, uh, that's a favorite of mine, mm-hmm. and yeah. has been so helpful in my own life, uh, just to remind folks of that, this mm-hmm. is in, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 24 and following. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. When everybody was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and made off. When the new wheat sprouted and ripened, the weeds appeared as well. The owner's servants went and said to him, Sir, 
Was it not good seed that you sowed in your field? If so, where did the weeds come from? Some enemy has done this, he answered. And his servant said, Do you want us to go and weed it out? But he said, No, because when you weed out the weeds, you might also pull up the wheat. Let them both grow to the harvest. And at harvest time, I shall say to the reapers, First collect the weeds and tie it in bundles to be burnt, then gather the wheat into my barn. There are parts of us <laughs> that are deeply in love with God, and there are other parts of us that could care less. And to, to recognize that there is there are these weeds that are growing inside of us, and there are the there is this wheat that grows, and the the sad reality is we, we many times we just can't root out the weeds. We have to recognize Sorry. this is part this is part of my own weakness, and to be humble enough to go to confession and to continue. Don't pretend that it's not there, that I only have wheat growing in my life. It's only virtue. There isn't any sin in there at all. No, to rec recognize that there's this mixture of good and bad in, inside all of us, uh, and that frequently uh, the good that we do is often mixed in with mixed motives. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we're going to stay, well, I'm only going to do things for pure motives. Mm. Well, then probably we won't do anything at all. Uh, and is to say, Lord, I'm doing the best I can do, and I recognize I'm not going to do it perfectly. Every parent is going to wound their children. And if you want to say, I'm going to be the perfect parent, and I'm only going to love my children perfectly, and I'm not going to let any of my shortcomings be passed on to my children, then the result is you don't have any children. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because you, every parent wounds their children. They don't want to, you love your children. Right. You, you want to only do what's good. But it's very difficult to be a right. parent, and you lose your right. temper, and you say things that you don't <laughs> you don't right. want to say, and then you they end up regretting it. There are no perfect parents. No, no. you're a, you're a, a parent, not a friend, right? <laughs> yes. So, right. Yeah. And there are no perfect priests. <laughs> and it's like, if we're only going to choose the priests who are without sin, then we're not going to have any any priests at all, because right. every every priest is a sinner as well. But there are, uh, uh, you know. The, the beautiful thing about it is that there are that, that Jesus chose us and God the Father to be the parents of those children. That's right. So that part is perfect. We are in that relationship. As but, God, yeah. as God called me to be a priest to the best yeah. of my ability. Right. But there's this is weed and weeds. It's His perfect choice. But it's God's grace that makes a difference. Absolutely. Well, thank you everybody for being with us, especially you, Father, and for this beautiful um, uh, message. Please give us your blessing and. Uh, as we close today. And may Almighty God bless and protect us, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455.
That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.